Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, that is rocksolidministries.org. Today, we're visiting with Dennis Smith, preacher at Salem Christian Church in our hometown of Corinth, Mississippi. We're holding a revival at the Salem Church this week. Uh, this, um, what is it, about the third week of, of February, February, yeah, in 2022. I want to make that clear for anybody who might be listening sometime later. And uh, I was thinking, Dennis, I, I believe we met when you moved to Corinth about 18 years ago. Yes, and I was I was still living in Tennessee, no. but coming down here for preacher's breakfast, and and uh, we got a, had a good chance of it. We were just getting ready to start going on the road with this ministry, and you were moving here to be the minister at Salem. That's right. And um, in all that time, you have always been a tent making preacher. In other words, you have held many secular jobs while serving as preacher here. At Salem, you worked at Walmart, and you're still doing that. And you yes. mowed yard, you mowed my yard for <laughs> quite a few years. And I wish you'd go back and do that again. <laughs> I can't find seem to find someone to handle that for me. But I enjoy mowing. Yeah, I do. Uh, but for that reason, though, that you're always working other jobs, we we really rarely ever get a chance to sit down and visit. Now we've had a couple of breakfasts in the last two weeks, and and we've been sitting out there, and they're going to charge rent at the restaurant on us because we've been sitting there visiting a lot and I've enjoyed that but I'm, I I just haven't had a chance really to get to know about your past and how you got in ministry how you became a Christian I'm I'm ready to learn more about you today Dennis so Brother Dennis tell us your story Tom I think our wives have gotten an opportunity to know each other better than what we have they do so. they go out to dinner <laughs> some when we're home that, that's the truth so this has been a treat for me um I guess I'm going to start right smack dab in this moment right now, and then I'll go back a little bit. Because All right, that's a good if way. If you would have asked me uh, years ago if I had ever done anything like this, and I'm uh, perhaps a little bit nervous now, but uh, I, I probably I would have laughed. And and, and I tell the folks at Salem, I, I I laugh that the Lord got me into a preaching ministry <laughs> because I never would. I never. I don't think of myself as a speaker. As a matter, I'll, I'll tell more. Uh, about that, I guess, uh, later, but um, um, I, I've been a, I've had a chance to be on radio just some myself, and I used to help Jimmy Anderson here in Corinth broadcast football games on Friday nights, and so... I remember uh, that. That was so, one of those other things you did. Uh, I, I love high school football, and, uh, and it was a little bit of a challenge for me, because when I first started helping him, it was at a Kossuth football game, that, and when Corinth played Kossuth, it was at the end of the season. Uh, it was a big that rivalry. Was, that was in 2005. They used to be in the same division. Uh, now, the Kossuth's still in 3A, and Corinth's moved up to 4A. So, and they're in the same so county. So they still play. Same county, though. Yeah, but they yeah. still play, but earlier, and it's still that rivalry Yeah. Uh, today. Uh, but uh, So I started helping him, but all I was doing was spotting defense, so I didn't have to say anything. In fact, I was supposed to stay quiet. Uh, and uh, and <laughs> to spot defense, it was, you know, who got the tackles, who got the interceptions, and stuff right. like that. Well, uh, I don't know when it was. I, and then I started helping from that way consistently, every ball game uh, consistently. It must have been in that, two, in that 2006 season. Uh, and I think, again, it was out at Kossuth. Uh, and that might have been when Corinth moved up. I'm not sure. 
But anyway, I believe it was out at Kosluth again, and he came to me right before halftime. I was starting to take more statistics, um, passing yard, or passing completions and, and whatnot, uh, attempts and completions, and uh, doing a few more things, first downs and all that kind of stuff. And So he came to me, uh, uh, I don't know if it was at the beginning, uh, before we went on air, but he said, I would like you to get on the air and at halftime and and give the stats, and then do it at the end of the game. And I don't know if I freaked out or not, but it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh my, and I started getting really nervous about it. Well, I, I've had opportunity over the years to do that, and we started taking more stats, and, um, and so we got more comfortable as a team, and so we, we worked, uh, we worked since then. Uh, sadly, uh, actually excitingly and sadly at the same time, the last ball game that we did was when Corinth went down to Hattiesburg and we were in the state championship at, at Southern Miss. Uh, and Corinth won handedly mm-hmm. that, that ball game. And uh, that was the last time because then that was in 2019, uh, November, or maybe early December, whenever that was, uh, that state championship game was for 4A. Uh, and we went into... COVID the, the pandemic, pandemic yeah. at that time, and he chose not to broadcast that fall of 2020, and then we didn't this past year uh, either. And then there's been another team that's taken that up to to, to broadcast those football games. And mm-hmm. I told him in 2020, and even in even this past fall, that uh, I, I look forward to it every year. Uh, and even though I had to go on air sometimes, you know, halftime, it wasn't like it wasn't like Jimmy doing, it, and he'd been doing it for. Uh, 30, 40, 50 years, you know, forever it seemed like, and people know him here in town. And and then all of a sudden I started being recognized with that voice. And then people would come to me at Walmart and they'd say, hey, you know, what game are we doing tonight? And all this kind of stuff. So (laughs) it's interesting how it it, it, uh, transferred into that. But again, I don't think of myself often as a a speaker and I get really nervous. I, I started getting a little bit my hands get cold, and they're cold right now, but that's <laughs> just because we didn't have the heat on in the building, so that might be part of it, but that's yeah. part of it. It's warming up now. Whoops, there's one of those interruptions that we get like preachers, you know, we have to stop and answer the phone. Uh, but go on. Go, go I, I just just a funny story about that, and then I'll, I'll go in and actually and go back and start with my testimony. Okay. Because uh, I was getting to that point. Uh, I was doing a funeral here, uh, the, uh, one of our, our Sunday school teacher and, and one of our deacons uh, passed away rather unexpectedly on Christmas Day uh, of last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had his funeral just a few days later uh, and just 67 years old, uh, was getting ready to turn 68 at the end of January. I know that was uh, a big loss for the church. It was, uh, and uh, he was ad- admired and really respected as, as a part of this congregation and the leadership as well. Uh, and uh, I was preaching his funeral. It was down in Boonville, uh, down at uh, one of the funeral homes down there. And, uh, and and I got a call. I had not turned my cell phone off, and, and I don't know why. Usually I, I, I do when I'm here in, the, in you know on Sunday morning or whatever, but uh, I hadn't. And all of a sudden I started getting a call while I was up. And I go, oh, that's my phone. And wouldn't you know it? <laughs> here I am, a preacher, getting a, a phone call during... Uh, and, podcast, I, and, yeah. and I'm preaching a funeral, yeah. But uh, but it was just kind of like a, a lighthearted moment right. during that somber time. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, just to get back to my testimony, um, 
And I was thinking about this a little bit uh, this morning, uh, and you'd asked me days prior to this that we might do this, and, and then right. last night you said that we would do it after we went to breakfast this morning. Uh, and um, I, I was going to say, well, let's go back to July 15th of 1962. Well, that was when I was born. <laughs> some, 50, you were, you were, some 59 I'm, half years ago. I'm guessing, Dennis, you were born at a very early age. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like everyone else. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but that does go along with my story. Okay. Because uh, uh, my, my mom and dad belonged to a, a local congregation. And so I was, I was brought into the church, well, you know, right after that. Where was that at? That was in Galveston, Indiana. And I believe that is the, I believe that's, that's where I, that's where I grew up in Galveston, Indiana, a town of about a thousand, uh, in, in Cass County, Indiana. We lived on the county line. We actually lived in Howard County across the line, right, you know, right there. And, and what part uh, of the state is that? That is in, um, kind of the north, uh, it, it's almost straight up from Indianapolis. Okay. Uh, you, you go straight up to Indianapolis and the, the county seat was Kokomo, which is a, Larger town nope, in Indiana. I know where that's at. Yeah. Galveston, like I said, I ran into someone who was from Lafayette, Indiana, and that's where I went to school at, at Purdue. I uh, was in West Lafayette, Indiana, and so it was about an hour west. And that's of, they were visiting Sunday first time here. Yeah, revival. Uh, they uh, I think they have an aunt here. Uh, the, the wife had an aunt right uh, in the church here, Linda yeah. Anderson, uh, Jimmy yeah. Anderson's uh, uh, wife, uh, the one I helped broadcast football games, and uh, so. Um, yeah, it's just, it's about an hour, hour and 15 minutes north. Uh, well, probably about an hour and 15, maybe an hour I'm, and a half. I'm trying to think, we, we have, we have a revival up in that very area this coming year. And I can't, at this moment, I can't think of the name of the town because it's a, it's a small town about the same size, but not that town. So maybe my, I'll think about it while we're talking. Go my, ahead. My mom, my mom and dad didn't miss church. Yeah. Um, for anything, um, you know, um, blizzards that would come up. I, I remember one time going to church uh, and uh, it was coming down and we had a lot of snow on the ground. And, you know, they handle things different up, up north than they do down here. And so sure. they get the snow plows out. Uh, but uh, it was probably the conditions that church could probably get called off. But but nothing, nothing had been said. We hadn't gotten a phone call or anything. We didn't have, we didn't have uh, the Internet, texting yeah, and all that yeah. to do in those days. And so... We just took off and went down. Well, there were some people there. I don't remember what we did. Whether we, whether we went ahead and uh, if they went in, it was not a restoration movement church. It, okay. it was called uh, Upper Deer Creek Church of Christ, mm-hmm. but uh, United Church of Christ, I should say, very United different, Church very, very, very different. Very, very different. Uh, yeah. I, I, I didn't really know anything beyond our little congregation it, well that would it be was out in the, it was out in the midst of soybean and, and cornfields sure uh, and just on a corner there out in the country uh, and so it was a lot of farmers and that's why my dad knew a lot of the farmers and he worked at a grain elevator uh, in Galveston our hometown uh, and uh, he did it ended up by the time he retired he worked there for 30 some years and so he knew the all you know all the farmers there uh, that's where they brought their grain that's where they they got their uh, animal feed from, their livestock feed from, uh, and so um, uh, so I was brought to church, and I know it as a young age. I don't have any pictures, uh, but I remember growing up in that church. Right. Uh, and uh, we had we had 
quite a bit of youth. Uh, you know, a lot of, lot of, lot of not, not a lot, a lot. It wasn't a big church. Um, probably close to about 100 yeah. or so. So it wasn't a real, real big church. Um, but uh, it served that community. Uh, and uh, so that's, that's, I was brought up to, to tell you what kind of teenager, or not teenager, but uh, just what kind of kid I was. I was quiet. Um, my mom and dad were, were both kind of quiet. My dad more so than my mom. Uh, I'll just tell a story. Uh, every once in a while, the, the preacher that we had, uh, uh, he was a tent maker. He, he worked uh, uh, somewhere, a factory or somewhere close by. He drove quite a distance to come. Uh, but um, uh, his name was Reverend Perkins. Uh, that, and uh, and he, he was an elderly man and uh, had been there for a while and uh, and so every once in a while he would uh, we, we might have a prayer time perhaps have a sharing time and I can remember uh, that uh, all of a sudden you know there might not be anyone praying and all of a sudden there'd be this little soft voice. Uh, and all of a sudden I realized it was my mom and I don't know if all of us, I, I, I have, uh, three sisters and a brother. So there were five of us, uh, and I'm number four. So, um, I don't know if we, I know I did, I kind of buried my head and I go, Oh no. So it was kind of, it was kind of that, uh, deal. <laughs> but my, my mom was perhaps more spiritual than my dad, at least maybe a little bit more open, mm-hmm. um, my dad had served as a super, uh, as a Sunday school superintendent, I think, for a term or so, uh, and uh, he probably did it kind of re- reluctantly. He'd always say that they had to dip off the, the bottom of the, the barrel to, to get him, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, uh, so a little ultra humble, I guess, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but my mom, uh, she was quite open about uh, uh, making sure that we went to church and. Um, she, uh, loved reading the Bible she, and we actually, um, on, on Wednesday nights, so we only had Sunday morning at that little church, mm-hmm. uh, Upper Deer Creek, uh, United Church of Christ, but there was a, a brethren church. I guess you'd call it a friend's church and she had friends in it, but it was a friend's <laughs> right, church. Right. Uh, um, and, uh, we went there on Wednesday nights and even revivals. Yeah. And, uh, I guess that brings my story a little bit quicker along, so I grew up in the church. Uh, I guess you would say I was a pretty good boy, you know, maybe a rascal at sometimes. I don't know. Uh, I had my older brother's two years older than I, and we did everything together, and um, uh, and that might include getting in trouble every once in a while. Yeah. But we we didn't really get into trouble. Uh, we stayed at home most of the time. Just didn't you know our whole family? It was just us. Right, you know, and then what little bit we went to church, and they did have a, a youth group, and uh, not really much of it. They had a children's ministry, but it was, um, it was like I don't, I don't know exactly when it. I guess it had been like maybe during the Sunday school hour. I don't know. I, I remember being together with the younger kids, and we would sing all the children's songs and maybe have a Bible story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I don't know if. It was children's church or what? I, I just remember being there with all the other kids of different ages, you know, up to sixth grade. Uh, and then they did have a youth program for teenagers. Uh, and um, I, I was even 
I was even youth group president for one year, one year for whatever that yeah. meant. Uh, but it kind of went through, you know, all right. you know everybody. Um, uh, I don't think I was a very effective leader. I don't think he just kind of did what everybody else did. Right. Um, so uh, going back to uh, Wednesdays, uh, my mom went to this prayer meeting at this friend's church, uh, uh, brethren, friend's church, whatever right. you want to call it. What is interesting about it was is that, and I don't, I didn't really know all the history of it at that time, but uh, my grandpa deeded. Uh, the, the 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 folks of that church uh, a, a parcel of land, that, oh. and so it sat just like a quarter of a mile at at most uh, from where my uh, grandpa and grandma Smith, my dad's parents, lived. So it was just like right there. Uh, my my as far as I know, as far as I know to this day, uh, and my mom and dad have both passed. Uh, that. Uh, my none of my family ever went there, which mm. is which is odd. And, and they and they were instrumental in deeding that land to, to build that uh, little church there. Uh, because what happened was later, uh, and I was already married at this time. Got married in eighty seven. Uh, I was already married at this time. That church closed, and it went back. It went back to the original owner, and mm. one of my dad's brothers, my uncle, uh, had bought it. Uh, and uh, he and another uncle who'd never married uh, uh, were living in that house. They ended up building a new house, but it went back to them, uh, and then my uh, uncle eventually tore it down, so that structure's not there anymore. But let me go back to that story. Going Wednesday nights, my mom would take us. Uh, Tom, you're going to find this interesting because we've talked about this. Um, uh, it, it was led by... Ladies, in fact, uh, when I went there, when I when we went there on Wednesday nights, and it was one of my mom's friends, um, they had a lady preacher, which is oh. that that just adds a little bit to the background. Sure, because I, I was not like I was I did not grow up in a Restoration Movement church, right? And here I am going to a church that has a lady as a minister, and I didn't know any different. It was my mom's sure. friend. Sure. Uh, but well, what she, do we know when we're growing up? We just go where our parents are. Yeah. If, if we're being raised, we just go where they take us. And uh, but 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 ended up having a good Bible Bible background by going to both places. Right. Just a really good. I mean, the the Bible stories, uh, well versed in all you know all the Old Testament stories from Abraham and you know Moses and and uh, David and, and right. whatnot. And uh, so well taught as far as the knowledge of the Bible. Uh, but it was at that little, it was another little country church, not very far, uh, maybe four miles at the most from the church that we attended on Sunday. Uh, and, and my dad did not go on Wednesday nights. Uh, it was just my mom taking us kids. But every once in a while they would have a revival or a church dinner and yeah. my dad would, we'd all go together as a family. If you feed them, they will come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so uh, uh, it was during a revival. I don't remember a whole lot of it. Uh, I was uh, 12 years old, 1974. I think it was in July. So it was probably right close to my physical birth mm. uh, as well. Uh, they had an invitation to come forward. And I went forward. Uh, there was nothing taught uh, about baptism. I was not taught anything about baptism. I was christened as a baby. And... and mm -hmm. Through what I know now, I know that that really didn't mean anything. 
Right. I will, uh, other I, than the, yeah. other than the, you know, they'll have dedications these days, right? Uh, and you dedicate your child, much like maybe Samuel, right, or something like that in the Bible. And right. um, uh, so, I, the, the, our our church that I grew up in, mm-hmm. that church, as far as I know, didn't even have a baptistry. No, they the they probably wouldn't. Yeah, uh, and. Um, uh, so you went forward to the, at this. So revival. I went forward during that revival. I, I you know, I felt, I, I felt the Lord's pull on my life. Right. And I went. Uh, I might have, I might have knelt there next to the altar, and there might, the preacher might have come, and uh, we might have repeated uh, a sinner's prayer or something right. like that. Uh, and um, and so. Um, I, if I can say this, I thought I was a Christian. Right. At age yeah, 12. Certainly, yeah. July of 1974. Which, uh, by the way, I, I, interesting, we talk about our, our similarities. That is actually the very month that I was baptized into Christ. Wow. Yeah, there's five years difference in our age. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's interesting, isn't it? But go ahead. Um, so, a lot of good Bible knowledge background. But that's kind of where it was. That's kind of where it was left. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really received no in, in additional instructions other than what I would get in Sunday school uh, and through preaching. I was a an acolyte and an usher. We we had acolytes in that church where I grew up. Yeah. And and you you know there was a group of us selected, and uh, we would go up and light the candles on the altar, and uh, and then there was some of us, some of maybe the older boys would end up being ushers and would pass the, the plate. Uh, we took communion. This is interesting. We took communion quarterly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, I guess you'd say, kind of a, a big deal. Yeah. Um, uh, the, 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 the leaders of the church, probably the deacons and the preacher would be up front and he would have a, a, he would have a leader of the church on each side. And, but everybody took communion. Right. Everybody. I mean, uh, other than maybe just the babies, right. but, but everybody did. When that communion plate was passed, everybody took it, and uh, it, it really didn't mean anything. Right. It was just a ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the same way with the, the babies getting christening. Right. You know, everybody just did it, and you know, you had a baby, you brought them forward. It was tradition. And then had them, and had yeah. them christened. Sure. Um, it probably wasn't. I, I went to school. I ended up graduating. Uh, what is interesting about my graduation is is that I was salutatorian. This scared me to death uh, because uh, at, at that time in our school, the, the valedictorian and the salutatorian had to give a speech. Oh. Uh, and just to back up a few years back to my sophomore year in high school, I decided to take speech class. I don't know if I had to. But uh, there weren't very many options, and I was already uh, probably college-bound. My brother before me uh, had been the only one who'd went to college. He went to college for two years and got an associate's degree there at a community college in Kokomo. Uh, and, um, and so I was going to go to the big university. That one was tied with Purdue and IU. It was a, it was a, it was, they had both degrees offered. Uh, and he ended up getting a Purdue uh, degree in, uh, I think it was, uh, well, it, double E-T, right. uh, and um, engineering, uh, electrical engineering technology. Uh, and so then it came my turn, uh, and uh, 
I wanted to go to school to be a veterinarian. See, my dad was a farmer uh, until I was born in 1962. Uh, and, for what, and for various reasons, he, he couldn't continue. He lost some rental ground. Uh, and so uh, he got out of farming and started working at grain elevators, uh, or at grain elevator there in town. Uh, and that's the kind of environment I was brought up in, uh, the little rural church where farmers were at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, we had animals ourselves. We only had two acres, but I always thought it was a farm. In <laughs> fact, in my in my application uh, to vet school, I said I lived on a farm. <laughs> but it wasn't anything probably like what the other students come and that were applying that have been on big <laughs> operations, you know. Right. But I had worked for some farmers. My dad had those connections, and I had worked for some farmers since... Uh, one particular farmer uh, in the, in the area f- since I was about twelve, so uh, for about for about six years until I graduated, and then even after I went to Purdue, I, I worked for him some when I could, uh, and um, uh, so I remember in eighth grade we had a careers class, and they said list three careers that you would like to consider or that that are interesting to you. Um, and I think I started with veterinarian, uh, and then I said hog farmer, and then I said math teacher, uh, and I I kind of settled into the veterinarian. And I thought oh, I like animals, but dealing with people kind of scares me. Well, how naive was I? Because <laughs> the only way that you can find out what's happening with the animal is by communicating with the owner. <laughs> you're not, you're not Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> no. no. Uh, uh, and so, well, I mean, I, you know, you can observe an animal. Right. But a veterinarian is just seeing the animal in front of him on the table and <laughs> you've got to communicate, you know, what's happening with this animal. So that was what I said, I'm going to take that, I'm going to take that path, that career path. And so I, I took a lot of science, um, a lot of higher math uh, that I didn't have to take, uh, the calculus and, and, and all that. And, and, Advanced trig and all that. And so, oh, <laughs> oh, that that's where you and I part ways, brother. I tell you. So I guess the I guess the speech class. Uh, I don't know if I had very many options. So I don't know why. If it was an option, I don't know why I chose it. Might have been a god thing. <laughs> it might have been, but I I I, I was uh, I was almost an all A student. Uh, very few Bs even. My first either nine weeks or semester in that I got a C, and it was like. We were asked at the very, at the very, the very first we were given an impromptu speech, two minutes talking about ourselves. I think I stumbled through maybe 30 or 45 seconds, not even a minute. I, 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 I got, I don't know. It was just like. Terrified, brother. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I said, man, I'm not going to make it through this class. And then you get a C. I go, how can I get a C? But then it was what's interesting about it, and again, this is probably maybe God working. Uh, maybe it was the, I don't remember much about the teacher really at all. But uh, uh, it was either, maybe it was the second nine weeks. It might have only been a semester class. Uh, I don't know if I could have signed up for a whole year speech. Anyway, <laughs> um, I had gotten an A, and I think I brought it up to a B for the average for the semester. So, um, so my grade point average wasn't pulled down that much and again I, I, I had already said that I ended up being salutatorian yeah I never and did ask you how many students graduated were there three no <laughs> no well, well, it's interesting that you mentioned three because uh, it it was 186 okay. so it wasn't you know it's, 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 it, it wasn't like it wasn't like my wife's 
class that she graduated from Ben Davis on the west side of Indianapolis that had like 800. She had almost she had almost as many people in her graduating class as I did in my hometown. So you see, well, the only I would have made salutatorian is if there were two people in my graduating class. And that, there were 100, and then they would have given it to me reluctantly. There were 186, and uh, but what's interesting is that the uh, quarterback on our football team. Uh, you know, I'd already told, I'd, I'd, they'd already had an awards banquet, uh, maybe about this time of the year. Uh, it was always in the spring, and, and I was, and I was <clears throat> awarded being second in the class at that time. But then it came down to, like, finals week of my senior year, and, uh, somebody came around, I don't know who it was, a counselor or somebody in administration came around and said, uh, I don't. I don't even know if I'd been asked yet to, that I was going to write a speech, but I kind of thought that I was going to be salutatorian. And they came around and said, "There's only like a few hundred thousandths of a point between yourself and the third, third person in the class." Oh man! I, I don't know if I was hoping that he would beat me. Or, you know, it's quite. <laughs> it, it's an honor. It's an honor, and I always felt really proud about it. There was no way, uh, there was no way I was going to beat the, the guy that was the valedictorian because he was way ahead of me as far as grade point average. But um, it was like I thought it was a done deal, and I was already. I have to kind of commit myself to doing it. If, if I'm going to travel to Indiana 500 miles to go home, um, then I have to kind of psych myself up for it. And I guess I was already psyching myself up. That I would, well, I'm gonna have to give a speech, you know, right. to, to kind of you know take away the shock. But then they came, uh, like that finals weekend, and they said it's all gonna depend on how you guys do on your finals. Who's gonna be it? Well, it ended up being that that um, I guess I could say I won out, yeah. and I think it ended up being like point zero three in oh. grade point average. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a whole lot. And um, and back so I, back in those days, not everybody got a prize. Not no. everybody got a ribbon for <laughs> participation. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and they had us prepare the speech before, uh, and we had to, I had to present that. The valedictorian and myself had to present that to like a group of teachers that were in oh, charge of, of graduation. And uh, I remember he, he like gave his, and I gave then, then I gave mine. But they had given him a whole bunch of pointers, and then they said, "Well, yours is fine." But I think our gymnasium held maybe eight hundred people. Mm-hmm. So when the time came, I had to stand before eight hundred people, and I, I had only given speeches in speech class before maybe I don't know twenty five thirty students, and 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 I didn't think I had done a very good job at that, but ended up getting a B for you know the class. Uh, and I go, wow. But it, it, it went together well. It wasn't a long speech. Uh, I can't tell you how long. Uh, no, I can't tell you how many guys I, I've interviewed that uh, have surprised themselves that they're in ministry and who have difficulty getting in front of people. Uh, uh, I didn't mind getting up and acting a little bit in front of people, but to get up and give a speech just scared me to death. Mm. Uh, and, and I was... And, and particularly preaching scared me to death, and so I understand that that we that God takes us and puts us uh, those who are least likely sometimes uh, in, into His where He wants us, and apparently that's what you're trying to say here. I think I'm going to come. I'll come back to more to that later here fairly quickly um, because I went ahead and went to Purdue, 
uh, and went ahead and began to, uh, I went ahead and began to, to um, pursue a career path in veterinary medicine. So I had to take the pre-vet, uh, and after two years you could apply, which I did, uh, and I, um, uh, I had to stand before the administrators uh, and, uh, and be interviewed twice with two different groups. Uh, these were all professors. You're a glutton for punishment, aren't you? <laughs> these were all professors. As a matter of fact, even the dean of the school, I think, sat in on one of my uh, interviews. And uh, I don't know if I felt really comfortable. Uh, it, 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 might, it, it went well enough that I did not get a, an offer, but I was put on an alternate list. Mm-hmm. Which then, you know, if someone else would back out, if they had another school they got accepted by, or another they decided not to accept it for whatever reason, I, I forget if I might have been a second alternate or something, but right. I, I, but it never happened. So um, I had to declare a major. I had already, I'd already been working on an animal science major, but then I decided, well, I'm going to do a dual major. Well, Tom, you won't believe what dual major I chose. I'm waiting here. Ag education. And so my thought was that I might become an ag teacher. So here's a person that I don't like to speak, but I'm choosing. Well, I ended up being here at, as a preacher here at Salem, um, but uh, but here I am choosing a path, a career path that, that I, I might end up being. How I have to stand before a group of teacher or students and and teach oh. them. So, but uh, uh, did that for a semester. Uh, enjoyed that semester. Uh, and it ended up being uh, that that my junior year uh, was I know the Lord was already working, but I think he he stepped things up a little bit. Uh, I met a man. I started working for him as a as a work study student, and it was back at the vet school. It was in back it was back in uh, veterinary research animal housing. Uh, I'll just tell you the guy's name. I don't know if he'll ever listen to this podcast or if anybody listening would know him or not. His name's Fred Douglas. And he ended up being a, a spiritual mentor of mine, oh. uh, and he opened my eyes to scripture. And you know, I'd already, I'd already previously said that I had a lot of Bible background just by uh, the the Bible teachers that I had in the in the in the churches that I was brought up in as a as a young person. Uh, and uh, but that was all it was. It was it was stories. I knew the stories, but I didn't know why they were there. Right and. And this man helped me. Uh, Fred Douglas helped me, and he was he was the the manager of the facility back there at the veterinary research animal housing, and they held animals for the professors from the vet school to come back and and re- do research on. Uh, and so um, I don't know how it came about. He was uh, a very he had a very winsome personality, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I don't know if that's what attracted. I'd go into his office, uh, and, and and I would say I was a struggling Christian. Well, I thought I was a Christian, a struggling right, Christian at sure. that time. Uh, and um, he began to talk to me, uh, just uh, uh, why are these Bible stories there? And started just unfolded, and then you know, talk about you know you know what it's all connected to Messiah. You know, it's all about Jesus, and it's like I never had anybody. You know, these were just stories, but now he's telling me, you know, why all these things happened. You know, it was because, you know, uh, the covenants and, and, you know, with Abraham and, and his sons and, and then uh, with David and uh, and how Messiah is going to come through Israel and, you know, and, and how, you know, the Old Testament, 
you know, we cling to, but, you know, it, it seems like, you know, so I, I've had people, you know, over the years since I've been here at Salem, you know, talk about, you know, well, it seems as though the God of the New Testament is different than the God of the Old Testament. You know, you have Israel doing, you know, conquering the, the promised land and uh, David himself being referred to as a warrior, you know, and, um, and but then, you you know, he began to put it together for me, and I'm going, oh. <laughs> and and uh, I'd never had any quiet time before, just a personal time with the Lord every day. And, and so important. And, and he was an he was a, an, an, an individual. He'd been to Bible college some himself. I don't know if ever a graduate or not, uh, but he had come down and started uh, with another group of individuals, a, a, a student ministry there on campus. Uh, they had a church as well uh, that they had formed, and um, that was that. My participation in that was all to come uh, later. Uh, but uh, he began. He he would wake up at five o'clock in the morning, and and have a quiet time uh, before he went to work. Whenever it was, a couple hours later, whatever, uh, and uh, just spend time with the Lord. And that was foreign to me, and but I was interested. I was interested enough that he started calling me. When he'd wake up, he'd call me uh, at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and uh, I wasn't used to that. And I was probably still in bed when he called and whatnot. And I had a roommate. Uh, and uh, he didn't understand why I was getting these phone calls either. But I started getting up and having a quiet time. And, and what he did, this is what he introduced to me. And, and uh, at, at uh, a few years ago, I got away from it. And these last couple of years, I've gotten back to it is reading the Psalms and the Proverbs for each day. You wake up to that. And so you get to know the heart of the heart of God because David was a man, referred to as a man after God's own heart. Right. And then you see the, the wisdom, wisdom yeah. uh, of God coming through the Proverbs, uh, much through Solomon, David's son. And so uh, that's what he did. Uh, he got me started reading uh, the, the Psalms uh, and, and the Proverbs for story. the day. Great yeah. And, uh, but he was calling me at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I remember my, my roommate got enough of it at one time. And so I'd gotten a call one, one morning. Uh, and, uh, maybe it was that I had my alarm set for five. Oh, maybe that's, but he got upset. He was a pharmacy, a farm D major. So he was in his fifth year of pharmacy and that's pretty challenging. Sure. And, um, one morning either, uh, I don't, I think we were beyond the phone calls at that time, but I think I started setting my alarm at five and then hit the snooze button, yeah. <laughs> maybe several times. Yeah. <laughs> he pinned me up against the mirror <laughs> out of frustration, and I, I can't. That that's a vivid. <laughs> it didn't stop me from from developing that quiet time, and and, uh, and did that, you know, for, for years. And um, uh, just. Just he that individual Fred Douglas uh, through the conversations that I had with him. I was a work study student, uh, but I would spend extra time just just going in and chatting with him. Uh, and I think he saw that I was hungry. Yeah. Uh, and, and we need to be aware of people that are around us that are hungry, don't we? Yeah, and I, I think as a minister, sometimes I, I miss that. Uh, uh, we've had some conversations here since you've been here yeah. uh, to kind of open my eyes to maybe how I've lacked in my ministry here at Salem. Uh, and, and I think it deals with the nurturing of, of some, some, you know, some young people. So, um, so that my eyes well, have been, been open. Well, to, actually, I've been talking about that a lot, too, with Brother Greg, our associate, and our need to, 
to mentor these young people and point them to ministry and a relationship with Christ, a more a deeper relationship. So uh, you heard that from me because Greg and I have been discussing it a lot more and our need for that and and uh, finding people to fill these pulpits and directing them to ministry. So uh, it's not it's not just from me to you. It's it's what's going on in my life right now too, as, as being more aware. Yeah, because uh, just just a few months ago, I got to baptize my my second oldest daughter, Kayla, her her boyfriend, fiance now, mm-hmm. uh, in into Christ. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even that, I think I've, I've dropped the ball a little bit over the last, even even in that span over the last few few months. Um, it it might have even I might have even dropped the ball some even before that because he'd had an interest. Oh. A year or so before that, and I never pressed him on it. Mm-hmm. And, and I figured I don't know what I was figuring. <laughs> I was just figuring maybe eventually, you know, he would surrender. Kind of thinking about my own background, right? Somewhat too. I think sometimes we approach evangelism the way we were evangelized, <laughs> and and you were a, a long, a fairly long process to get where you were at. For me, it was just kind of like boom, right there in my face, and by an evangelist. And so that's how I've always approached it. And I, I don't like, Beth used to say, I would go into somebody's home and in five minutes I knew their whole Christian background or non-Christian background, their denominational background, if they were a Christian, if they wanted to be a Christian, if they did, then, you know, in 30 minutes I was baptizing them. And <laughs> and if I wasn't and they weren't interested, I was off to the next house, you know. But that's, you know, and you approach things more in a, in, a, in a process to see uh, where's this person at now and I'll work with them. But I think sometimes we do drop the ball because we forget that hell is real and heaven is real and we don't know how long this person's going to be on earth and we probably need to talk to them as soon as possible. Kind of like a, kind of like a person who doesn't know how to swim, like myself, <laughs> and you get in the water and you're floundering. Yeah. You know, well, when do you, when do you come to the rescue? And sometimes maybe it's a little too late. <laughs> so we or just get get after it. I'm sorry, I so, got, well, got uh, off on a tangent and, there. And, and then uh, uh, you had already found out that there was a young man in our congregation that just got baptized three weeks ago, and I didn't realize it had just been three weeks ago. <laughs> I know it had been pretty recent. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we don't see we don't we're a small congregation. Uh, we're about thirty now, uh, and uh, that's down from when we first started uh, a few years ago, uh, and. Uh, uh, this uh, young man, uh, he's uh, he's grown up in the church. Uh, as a matter of fact, we were here when he was born. So uh, uh, and so uh, he uh, uh, he came forward. And sometimes in these small congregations, like a congregation like ours, with and a lot of people don't come forward. Um, uh, it was it was almost like, what do we do now? But no, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, but we, we, we had an opportunity, you know, when he came forward and his grandpa came up and, and I've been leading singing. So I was leading singing and his grandpa came up and continued leading singing. Uh, and, uh, and I talked with him, you know, just briefly about what he wanted to do. And he wanted to be baptized in Christ. Uh, he wanted that. He wanted mm-hmm. that for him. And mm-hmm. I go, well, great. And so, you know, we, we, did, we talked to the congregation, you know, about his decision. Well, we didn't have any water in the baptistry, and you've already found that out. About being <laughs> you know here. my stand on that, so we won't go. We won't go there. <laughs> uh, but uh, we've had a leak in our baptistry for several years, and so we don't keep water in it. And you know, and it's you know, it's for for you know, as being part of the restoration 
movement uh, of churches uh, that, you know, uh, not to have the baptistry filled, uh, you know, uh, shame on us is really well. The, the, it, it, you're you're not unique in that, Dennis. Uh, and I'm not making excuses. You're not you're not unique. That uh, I think we should always be prepared. We're prepared on Sunday with the Lord's table. Why should, you know why would we not be prepared with death, burial, and resurrection and baptism? But I've told you I held revivals and gone to churches and and the baptisters are full of lumber, <laughs> or they're uh, or they're full of Christmas boxes and even the dressing rooms are. And I, I think, when was the last time you used this or even talked about it? And you actually have a little bit of a legitimate excuse. You've got to get that fixed. Because if you do fill it and keep it filled, you're down there emptying a bucket a couple times a day. And that this is one of these things that just needs to get fixed. So, so you challenged me, and I had my wife over here late Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> she loves me. <laughs> and, and well, I don't know. It, it, it didn't come back to you. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it might have. <laughs> but I was the one that brought her over here. Oh, okay. Uh, and she was tired and wanting to go to bed. And it was probably nine o'clock or so. And it was like, well, Tom's. I coming. think we've got. To, yeah, I think we've got to have a, the baptistry full. And, and I had attempted it one other time to to use uh, caulking. Yeah, uh, on it, and and thought, and I had it somewhat stopped up, but that didn't that didn't wasn't a permanent solution, and uh, and so I found this product when I was looking for some more. I, I didn't I didn't know I had some left over. I found the caulking gun down underneath the baptistry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know I had a caulking gun, but there I had there I had the, the clear <laughs> there I had the, the clear caulk, and, and you know, and it's still it was still there was a lot in there still, uh, and. Uh, and so, but I went in and bought, I, what I ended up buying was, um, Flex Seal. Flex Seal. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's kind of coming in tubes. So I, I went in and bought the cocking gun because I didn't know I had a, a cocking gun. <laughs> and so I brought it home that night and I said, Lori, we really need to do this. Um, we should expect lives to be changed during a revival. Thank you. And it's like. If we're not, then why are we having a revival? I mean, right. if we're just having a revival, like you've mentioned, if we're just having a revival to have a set of meetings, well, right. you know, why? But but we ought to be conducting our services, you know, even as a preacher, I should be preaching as if lives are going to be changed because right. that's what the Word of, that's what God does, that's what the Word of God does. Well, you know, I've said this, and I've said it on other podcasts too, Dennis, that if if we don't expect what we preach on Sunday to change lives, then we probably need to do something else. We we need, and I realize that, that when you're in a in a small country congregation, and, and bless your heart, I appreciate that that you've been here 18 years and working with this with with a small country congregation. They're wonderful people. We've known them for they years are. ourselves. But but just that staying power to work and and be a tent maker that I admire that like I can't even say I, I that's just that that's not me. I'm, I've always been an evangelist and 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 doing things a, a different way. But I have always admired and appreciated guys who do this. But when we're in that situation, it's easy to just uh, expect next Sunday what we had last Sunday, mm-hmm. and the same thing. And uh, I I really believe that the power is not in you or me. And you're a good speaker because I've listened to you, and that gets beyond all that other problems you said you had. I've been here a number of times to hear you preach, but but it's the powers in the word, and if we're if we're preparing with God's direction, the Holy Spirit's direction, our sermon, 
then we ought to expect changed lives. Now, it may, it, it may be in a small country congregation. It may be six months between anybody walking forward to make any type of public decision. But we give an invitation expecting that people are making decisions in their own life. And many times we hold revivals and have no outward decisions. But people tell us on the way out, that's exactly what I need and this is why. And we know a life was changed, even though there was no public decision. And I think that happens every week when you preach this, because you, you bring the word really well. So, uh, uh, but I think having the baptistry filled says, uh, says to God, I'm expecting you to do something with your word today. Mm. You know, got off on that again. We're just taking a little tangent. Man, a... Like the fellow who set out the sun too long, we're tangents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my. Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Any, anyway, uh, got down there with that flex seal Friday night and just coated the dickens out of where, where <laughs> I, what, what, you know, and, and, and you know, people don't need to hear the technical stuff of all no. this, but, but we've been dealing with it since, you know, we've been here at Salem for almost 18 years and, um, We'll fill the baptistry, but it takes two hours. Yeah. And we've got, in summertime, we, we just baptized <coughs> his, his cousin here, uh, I think a couple of years ago, and but it was in his grandpa's swimming pool. Yeah. So that, that, well, why water, not? that water was sure. available, and yeah. it was warm. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Uh, uh, but you're, you're, you tell me your church is looking toward but, renovations yeah, we're, and stuff. Yeah, we're in so the we're, process. We've got a building committee, and we're going to do some renovating, and that's one thing that we're that's one thing we're seriously looking at. Right. And so, um, uh, you know, so it's, how much it's you know there, we yeah. couldn't put a new baptistry in, thinking, and we don't know what's going to happen. And you know, it all is what this building committee comes up and suggests. But that right. would be a, a very high priority, if not right. at the top. Right. Uh, and, and having to deal with that. But I was trying to deal with it as best as I could, I guess. And I thought, well, you know, you see all those commercials about Flex Seal and putting that uh, screen on the bottom of a boat and taking it out in the water and, you know, and everything's fine. So I thought, well, man, I surely could coat a pipe and <laughs> get well, stop. What is amazing is, is that I, we spent, I think, an hour. I think Lord, she reminded me after we were done. She was still the day that we were over here for an hour, and I keep asking, "Do you think that's okay?" And it, I got this glob of flex seal around this, and, and, and I don't want to take anything away from the company that produces it, but um, uh, uh, as much as I had it coated, but I couldn't see the bottom side. Right. I could, and the more I wiped, it would be like I'd wipe and press and wipe and press and do all this, yeah. and I was try, I, I'd glob it on and try to get it to the bottom. Um, I, uh, I, I, I can feel it now that I missed a spot because sometimes I, I'd say, well, maybe it's not okay. I need to do a little bit more. And I could see that I was exposing what, the pipe. What you're telling us is a story that almost every preacher who will listen to this podcast has been through it at some point, either that or overflowing the baptistry or whatever the case <laughs> might be. But, uh, we, we've, uh, we're running down on our time, and so let's let's get on back and find out how you end up in ministry. I, I was I was wondering, we'll get off I was wondering how long we had, and, and, and that's the thing, you know. I say I'm not a speaker, but but if, if you're I doing sit, real well today, brother. If I sit down and comfort, I don't even like talking on the telephone, and, and I'll I'll avoid answering the telephone, so I don't have to talk on the telephone, and I'll go visit people instead of talking to them on the telephone. That's just the way I am, but. Um, so we've tried the baptistry, and it's still leaking a little bit, but maybe not quite as bad. And I know that I could probably go in there and dab a little bit more on, and that might take care of the problem, because it's not leaking as bad as it was. 
But um, how did you so, find so we're, we're going to have water in the baptistry, so right. but, we but, got it in there. But by the time anybody listens to this podcast, the revival will and it will be all over it. unless it continues. Yeah, and, you know, and, and, and a lot of that will have leaked out. But um, let's get on to your Purdue. Back and, to back to the mentor, and so I did get involved in the. I did. I did get involved in the um, in that church where he was a. a, a deacon a leader yeah uh, there in the church and um d- different than any i'd ever had they had guitars and um they had a piano player but they had people play people game, playing guitars and they sang a lot of scripture songs because of being involved in that group today i know a lot of scripture songs uh and i can and a lot of them come from the psalms yeah uh, and they've had music set to them and then i'll come across the psalm and uh, hey that's a song i know and i'll start singing yeah. it yeah. which is really neat uh, and then that's the way it, you know, it ought to be to be able to express like David did, right. uh, his heart before the Lord. And I, I think that's what started happening. Uh, and um, so, 1983 was a was a, uh, a time changer for me. And um, I don't know how it came about. The Lafayette and West Lafayette are separated by the Wabash River. Uh, and I and with him opening my eyes to scripture, the Holy Spirit working, that after that summer was over, or towards the end of the summer of '83, I had just gotten accepted in the vet school mm-hmm. uh, after mm-hmm. my junior year, uh, and um, and that the end of that summer, I got baptized in the Christ in the Wabash River. All right. At the age of 21. So did you go from there uh, to... So we're talking about 12 going forward in the church, thinking I right. was a Christian, and then nine years later, actually getting baptized. And what I understand now, about now that I've read a lot of scripture and let it absorb, mm-hmm. you know, meditate on it, that, that I understand now more about, you know, the importance of being baptized into Christ uh, and as Acts two thirty eight says, you know, receiving, you know, you know Jesus, forgiveness of sin, uh, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's what really kicked in because the Holy Spirit really started working in my life, and I started getting the tug to be in the ministry because that was the first group I was involved in that we went to door to door, doing spiritual surveys in dorm rooms. Right. And uh, I didn't have to be the leader in that, thank goodness. <laughs> right. But uh, we went by pairs, just as you see in Scripture, we went mm-hmm. by pairs. And so I go, wow, we're doing, we're doing what was in Scripture. Uh, the young men were encouraged uh, to get into leadership. Uh, that uh, you didn't have to go to Bible college to, to be a leader in a church. Uh, they had uh, they had deacons. They didn't have elders. They had two preachers, and so maybe they deviated some from scripture as far as that goes. But but we would we would uh, we started. We, uh, I was the first group I'd been involved in. We we took communion every week. Right. We would have a fellowship meal, and then it would be followed by a time of of praise and worship and breaking bread. Was that the campus ministry? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. Right. And uh, so it was like I'm going. This is just like it was in the New Testament, yeah. uh, and and I thought I you know I you know I, I thought I was experiencing Christianity, but this is really what it means to be a follower of Christ and to, to worship Him and and uh, to, to know Him, 
And so it, it was just, my life has exploded at that time. And, and I felt that call to get into ministry. We had a sharing time every Sunday morning. It was just like, you know, you know, does anybody have, has, how has the Lord been working in your life? Would you like to share it? And these young guys, how, how the Lord was dealing with them, were standing up. Uh, and it wasn't just the old guys. It was right my age guys standing up, college age guys standing up and sharing, well, this is what the Lord's been teaching me. I started doing that. You know, yeah, the Lord was teaching me some things. And I could st- stand up and share them. And then I felt like, you know, the Lord was really leading me to be a leader in the church. Well, unfortunately, we had a church split in that, oh. in that, in that group. Uh, it dealt with a, an issue, uh, you know, our, our apostles still for today. Oh, well, we don't uh, get it. Let's <laughs> not even get into that. Would be another podcast. That's another podcast, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, that was a very that was a, that, that was the time I met Lori, uh, my future wife. Oh, there at that? No, not at that church. Oh, okay. At that time, it was actually through my brother and, and uh, his girlfriend at the time, but now his wife, and they were friends. And uh, it was during this tumultuous time in my life. I'd gotten accepted into vet school. Uh, that was a miserable semester. And uh, I don't know why it exactly was miserable. Uh, but I contributed some to maybe uh, I was disillusioned some about vet school. Um, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be like. Uh, and things were changing in agriculture at that time, but I think things were changing with me as far as the Lord dealing with me. And he, and so, um, I guess, uh, the Lord was preparing me, I think, in my life to, to, to marry Lori. My life was not very much. Tom, just to really, to speed it up. Yeah. And I gave a lot of background. I preached that way. I preached that way. I'll, I'll, I know say, I, a whole I heard lot. <laughs> I'll say a whole lot, and then I finally get to my text at the end. But that's where we're at. Right. Uh, I looked for every opportunity that I could. Any church that I would be in, I'd go to leadership, and I would say, I want to do this. I want to do this. Uh, I was working on hog farms up in Indiana. I want to do this. I want to do this. Well, um, finally... Uh, went to uh, uh, Louisville, Kentucky, uh, and they were having a North American Christian convention mm-hmm. there. Uh, I can't even think of the church right Southeast. Now. Yes. Uh, I was there that year. Uh, and, uh, and met a couple from Sunbelt Christian Youth Ranch mm-hmm. in Lake Mississippi, and they wanted house parents. So I thought, well, this is our opportunity to get into ministry. Well, that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, a year later, we were in Lake Mississippi, uh, and um, and like I said, that didn't work out for us. Uh, and um, and the director down there directed us up here to Salem Christian Church, where you've been for eighteen. Where I've been here for eighteen years. Uh, and you also told me doing that, something I never thought I would do, and that is speak. Well, and you also said that while you were at Lake. You did uh, uh, some preaching at another little church. Lemon, or, Lemon Christian Church. Lemon Christian Church. I don't even know where that's at. That uh, is uh, between Forest and Raleigh, Mississippi. And, and, uh, and it's out in the country, and you wouldn't know it's there unless someone took you there, I think, or you were born there. And really, <laughs> between Forest and Raleigh, if you go south of there, uh, this is for people who really understand their maps, you can you may come across Hot Coffee, Mississippi. 
is down that area, and and so so Mississippi. They're yeah. all down that little area there. But there's not a church at so so, so we don't have to worry about there being a so so Christian church or anything. That's not there. Yeah, we had church. Not there's a hot we had coffee. There's South Raleigh. There was a church at Lakes uh, and uh, Newton. Was sure, where, where a couple the, of churches there in where the house area. where the house families went, where right. the, the the ranch families went. Uh, we went some to Lake as well, but of course we ministered uh, at Lemon, but. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, and what is interesting is is that uh, I don't know either one of us that the 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 folks in the church or myself thought that we would be here very long. <laughs> and but I love the Word of God, and that is one thing that I stress. I love Jesus. Yeah. I love God. I love Jesus, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I love the Word of God, and. I try to, since I don't have a Bible college background like you, like you, Tom, as well. I absorb myself into the Word of God as as much as I can, uh, and um, and so because of because of that mentoring by Fred Douglas way way back in the early '80s, uh, and uh, just opening up Scripture to me and then the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, again, we've been here; it'll be 18 years. Uh, about the middle of March. Well, I think that just says something to our listeners that you never know when you find a young man that, uh, and you've figured out that he's hungry for the word. You never know where that might lead him. And uh, that's quite a story. I hope I hope this mentor listens to this podcast. If you can find him, you need to tell him, listen to him, mm-hmm. because it changed your life. He changed your life, really. I mean, he got you to understanding what those stories were all about. And... Uh, and that's what we've got to do. We, we've really got to find these people, and they're out there everywhere, who are open, their hearts are open to, to learning more about what what is uh, what is Jesus all about. And and uh, we need to get in there. And we are. We, we are over time by a couple of minutes, which happens every once in a while. And uh, so we're going to have to get off. I've enjoyed this time. You're a lot of fun to talk to, Dennis. Well, that, that church split really blew my life up. But then again, I said I met my future wife. Uh, I, I had to, it was, she lived about an hour away uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, but again, the Lord directed that. He had turned my life around uh, at that time. Uh, and I had a lot of questions about the church split. But she was involved in a, a restoration movement church, a large church in Kingsway. Right. Kingsway, uh, a Christian church there on the west side of Indianapolis. Uh, John Caldwell, the preacher, he, sure. he married uh, he married Lori and I did oh, the wedding yes, yes. ceremony in, in May of May sixteenth, nineteen eighty seven, uh, and um, and she is a she is more of a spiritual Christian lady than what I than the, the Christian man that I am. Uh, fine, but, uh, a fine lady. Oh yeah, a fine lady. Our, 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 Beth loves to spend time with her and and. Uh, but we got to go. I got to get off of here. So I'm just going to say if this is, if you've enjoyed this podcast, we hope you'll share it with your friends and coworkers in Christ. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.